The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Join me in prayer, please. Father, how grateful we are to be together amongst those who honor your holy name with reverence and fear. You are the most high God. Your dominion is from everlasting to everlasting. All knees will bow, every tongue will confess, and all will see your power. You are the living God told of in the ancient manuscripts, the faithful and true. You are God and there is no other. Let us confess our sins and disobedience to you who are faithful and just to forgive. Father, we know we cannot change or do any good work apart from you. You are the vine. We are so sorry for the evil that we do in your sight, as well as the hidden evil we hold in our hearts. We have dealt wickedly, but you remain faithful. Therefore, Father, Lord, King, we are thankful for your law that shows us our sins and your salvation that rescues us from the unthinkable eternal separation from you. Thank you for this church and all the true churches who are joined together this morning in worship to you. We hope you will enjoy the services. Thank you for your love and any of your presence you may bless us with. Father, thank you for the Lamb that is your Son, Jesus, who is the Christ. Lastly, Father... I do have a request of you that you would hear our praise and consider us as your people, that you would please personally come down among all the noise and the clamor of this world, that you would open eyes and hearts to your word and to the wondrous things therein. Grant us faith and repentance and love for one another. All these things. I ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. It's good to see everybody here. Good morning. I do appreciate the opportunity to speak here again. I'm always amazed when I hear all the good feedback and they... Don't tell me I'm fired. (laughs) You have all been so patient and gracious with me in my pursuit of the ministry. It is like a fire in my chest, and I cannot keep silent. I do have an article here. I will share a portion with you before I get started. This is by Stephanie Herzenberg, a graduate with a major in religious studies wrote in her article for the BeliefNet titled, Six Incredible Finds That Prove the Bible Was True. Mounting evidence confirms what Christians already knew. She writes, is the Bible a true account of history? Is it an altered and highly stylized take on real events? Is it a blend of myth and cultural memory? Is it a complete fantasy? These are the most common approaches to dealing with the Bible as a record of history and using it to examine what actually happened thousands of years ago in the past. Many Christians claim that the Bible is a complete and perfect record of history. Everything in the Bible happened exactly as Scripture portrays it. That's where I fit in. Most skeptics, on the other hand, tend to argue that the Bible is mostly, if not completely, fictional. 
These are the people who at one point claimed that Jesus Christ never existed and that he was a complete fabrication by Christians. This theory, however, has since been ground into dust so utterly that scholars are in near unanimous agreement on the fact that Jesus of Nazareth was a real person. Reaching to the point where biblical events are accepted as generally requires overwhelming evidence. There are many people who will disbelieve something purely because it is found in the Bible. Unfortunately for those skeptics, archaeology has unearthed a mountain of evidence that proves that the Bible is not a collection of fairy tales, but an honest record of historical events. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is one of the ultimate examples of God's wrath in the Old Testament. The two cities are razed to the ground, and they were considered to be so sinful that their names became shorthand throughout the Bible for places or actions that are irredeemable. For years, skeptics claimed that Sodom and Gomorrah never existed. If they had, such apocalyptic destruction would have been noticed. It was noticed by an Assyrian who inscribed the entire event on a clay tablet. The tablet baffled translators until scientists filled in the missing piece. The clay tablet described the flight of a massive meteorite that raced over the Earth's surface before exploding near the Alps. The land beneath the meteor's path was superheated to temperatures some scientists believe are comparable to the surface of the sun. To make matters worse, the explosion of the asteroid would have sent flaming chunks of rock crashing down onto cities near the Dead Sea and forced a wave of hypersalinated water out of the Dead Sea and into the once fertile soil. The clay pottery archaeological archaeologists found that had been heat blasted to the point that it became glass was all that would have been left of Sodom and Gomorrah. She goes on with more great commentary, but finally concluding with, some of the grandest claims skeptics have made about the Bible have been ground into dust. Christ was real, and the Gospels give a faithful account of his death. David and the kingdom of Israel were were a force to be reckoned with in ancient times. From Genesis to Revelation, the most important events in the Bible hold up to historical scrutiny. One can only imagine what else will be uncovered as archaeological excavations continue. This makes me think of Romans chapter 3. Verse 4, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Let God be true, and every man a liar. I really enjoyed this article. It makes me think about the other sciences and discoveries. People come running up with, that the Bible has declared long ago. Since the beginning. Over and over we read the Bible overlooking the simple, concrete truths that even so much more confirm its solidarity and everlasting truth. Let God be true and every Man, a liar. All, was it nine billion of them now? How many more archaeological digs do we have, do we need, have to do before we believe the Bible, people? What are, what are we waiting for? Job didn't even have a Bible. Jesus had the Pentateuch. Thousands of years ago, 
the Holy Bible said that there would be night and day and seasons with trees producing fruit according to their kinds. The Bible predicted childbirth and the rise and fall of nations. The Bible says righteousness will always reign and all will give an account to God for the deeds done in the flesh. We can see these truths in our world today. There is still night and day. There is still childbirth. There is still seasons. And no matter how much evil we see prevailing, as it seems in this world, there has still always remained police and government. The Lord will always put things in order. Many times all you have to do is watch someone long enough who is lost in sin and you can see it deteriorate them and their life over time. Drug addiction is one of the more obvious ones, but I would, not, but I would say all sin brings us death eventually when it is full grown. My sermon, it's funny, the, the first song was uh, talking about his faithfulness. This sermon I would call Faithful and True concerning the Word of God. In my thesis statement, if you remember the thesis statement, is when we try to sum up the entire sermon in one sentence. So here it goes. Although sin and the pattern of this world strives to keep us blind and spiritually dead, it is the illuminating, life-giving power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel found in the Holy Scriptures that bring us back to life and opens our eyes to the truth that we really need. You know, sin entered the world through a lie. You remember that? We read in Genesis 3, Satan tells the woman, uh, and the first thing he says to her, has God really said? Did God actually say? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. See, we can see the first thing the devil does is try to convince you that somehow God's word doesn't mean what it says. If he can convince you that one thing in the Bible is not true, one little thing, he's already accomplished his goal. He's already inserted the doubt in your mind. And it will grow. Satan deceived the woman by lying and making her think that God's word was not that serious. You see, and if the devil can somehow convince you, he will eventually drag you down to the pit with himself. What did he say next? You will not surely die. says here, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like him. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So first he gets you to question God's word and then to deny it altogether. No, it doesn't happen, he says. And what did Adam and Eve find out? God's word happens. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. And that was fulfilled in two ways. The immediate spiritual death, the separation from God, and then the slow decay of the aging process of physical death. Immediately, Eve's connection with God was broken as soon as she ate the fruit. 
We know this because she then tries to cause Adam to eat the fruit. When you have a broken connection to God, you will entice others to sin. That is a mark of a person who has no connection to God. And what is the opposite of that? To have a good connection with God means you would lead people away from sin. Or at least try to, even if you were stuck there yourself. All people who are connected with God lead others away from sin. Thank you. All people who are not connected with God lead people into sin. You can see this in a woman who dresses immodestly. It proves her connection with God is damaged because she's leading people into sin. We know Adam was affected by sin. As soon as Adam ate, he accused his wife, threw her right under the bus, and then he tried to throw God under the bus. The woman you gave me. So that's how Satan works. He first brings doubt and then unbelief. Did you know men have died? Just so you can have a copy of the word of God in English in your hand? Rest in peace, William Tyndale. William Tyndale was executed the 6th day of October in 1536 for translating the Bible into English. Let's turn to the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now let's take a look at Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God. When I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord, they shall wander, wander from sea to sea, and from north to east, they shall run to and fro, and seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. That's a horrible thought. In that day, the beautiful virgins and the young men will faint from thirst. As for those who swear by the guilt of Samaria, who say as our God lives. You see, this is the valley of dry bones. We are there today. Family, we are spiritually starving. We are starving for the words of God. Most of you don't even know it. We are malnourished, so to speak. Even in the church today, we don't know God and we don't know our enemy. The Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and he's a liar. This is important to remember this. Brother, turn to John chapter 8, verse 44. I want to show you something. It says of Satan... 
when Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees, he says, mentioning Satan, you are the father of the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see that? Remember that. So many people are deceived because we don't know the words of God. Jesus said, you err because you do not know my word. I heard one teacher say 85% of Christians have never read the whole Bible. Does that bother anybody? That bothers me. Maybe that explains all the wacky things we see in churches today. What was Pastor Shane saying? They're putting gold glitter in the, in the air vents and claiming the Holy Spirit came. And we got people falling down and laughing and la, 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 la. That these type of things kept me from the church growing up because I was not a simpleton and I knew I was being lied to. Therefore, it kept me from giving my life to Jesus. You can actually keep people from coming to Jesus by making up false blessings he's giving you. Remember that. Numerous hoaxes and scandals, false healings, false teaching. The gospel is being polluted today. And the problem with accepting any other gospel, whether it be prosperity or some other superficial Christianity, it changes your spiritual taste buds. It does. Eventually you start liking it. You start liking to be lied to. It doesn't matter if it has morality mixed in with it. That's not Christ. Christ didn't tell you be a good person and you can come with me to heaven. This is why week after week we preach the same gospel as Paul who went back to his brothers who he began to compare his gospel with theirs to make sure they were still doing it right. Because it is the simple proclamation of the gospel that gives us what we need. It is an it's like an illustration of the strawberry field. Recently, uh, in California, me and my wife went and saw a brother by the name of Dr. Vodi Bakum preach. I'm not sure if you've heard of this brother. Um, there's been talk of him being nominated as the SBC president soon. Absolutely phenomenal preacher. So anyway, he said there was a young boy who would go with his father or grandfather to the strawberry fields, and they would pick and eat strawberries. Well, eventually the boy gets older and starts eating other products, strawberry-flavored, but he was not receiving the same nourishment from the natural strawberries. And later, when he tries to return to the field with pops, he don't like the taste of natural strawberries anymore. They're bitter. Now we prefer fake strawberry paste or whatever. That's not naturally good for us. It tastes good, but it doesn't have what we need to sustain life. And that's the same with all false gospels. It has no life in it. It has no water in it. It has no Christ in it. Therefore, if it is not Christ, it is what? It is anti-Christ, people. If anyone preaches any gospel contrary to the one you have received, let him be cursed. Excuse me. But yeah, this is why we have to read the Bible for ourselves, family. The Bible says of itself, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. 
Scripture is sufficient. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to strive for. We need to strive that the Holy Spirit would carry us through life. That's how you overcome sin. You have something that's bothering you years later. Pray for the Spirit. Why would the Israelites make up stories about themselves being defeated in battle and becoming slaves? It was necessary for them to give us the law. We need the law so we can see our sin. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Where are you going? I'm just kidding. It's, <laughs> it's like a mirror that you can look into and see the dirt on your face. And once you know the dirt is there, you can wash it off. But you don't use the mirror. It's useless to, to wash your face. It shows you your face, but it cannot cleanse you. The law can show you the truth, but it cannot fix you. I love, I love the law of God. I love reading the law of God. I was a legalist. That is my confession. Many of you have probably noticed that in my prayers. Forgive me. I take God's word serious. And I'm glad I do. But the law is not going to save us. The law condemns us. It helps us. It's a blessing. It is the proper foundation of how we should be living. But you'll drive yourself crazy trying to follow every single law of the Old Testament. So we need that soap and water. What is the soap and water? Confession, honesty, confession of sins and the blood of Christ. But then you're not, fi you're not finished. You're forgiven, but you're still blind. You're, bl you're blind, but you're now under grace. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the first time the gospel was ever preached. And they gave the forgiveness of sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is significant because this covers you past, present, and future. So if I'm forgiven, but I'm still blind then I need to pray for the Holy Spirit. I need to pray honestly. In the Bible, there's a blind man who comes to Jesus and he's so blind. He was confusing people as trees. Do you remember that one? Imagine being that blind that you're confusing people for trees. You see a man and you think it's a tree. So you pray to Jesus, Lord, open my eyes. I can't see clearly. I'm very harsh on other people. 
I cannot love them. I see them as trees. I need you to help me. Give me the Holy Spirit that I may see things as they truly are. I see men and women as trees. I cut them down. You see, you can cut trees down if you want to. They weren't created in the image of God, but not human beings. Man and woman, he created them in the image of God. You are an image bearer of God. The person sitting next to you is an image bearer of God. So if I talk harshly to my wife, I will bring shame to myself and dishonor to God. There are people who could be healed today, but they are not honest. They still see men like trees. When Jesus healed the man, he was completely blind. And, and then a part of his sight came back, and he still saw them as trees. So he needed to pray again. He needed to ask again. I still see men like trees, but they won't confess it. They go on in blindness all their life when they could be healed. If they were just honest, Lord, help me. I'm very harsh on human beings, especially in my own home. I treat my children like trees. Say, Lord, that's me. You see, it's important that we ask for the Spirit when we pray. And it's important we read our Bibles. And you must, you must believe that He will give you what you're asking for. You must have faith. Look at, uh, go to Luke chapter 11. Starting with verse 9, and I'm going to read through 13. Jesus said, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if your son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, by the way, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God's Word is true, and everything else is a lie. We are to be the light in the midst of darkness. Darkness. What is darkness? Darkness is the lies, the wickedness, the doubts, the uncertainty of the devil. What is the light? Light is God. Light is God's word. The light is to say God's word is true. You see, back in biblical times, there was a period of spiritual darkness. There was many lies, much like today. There is many lies about what true Christianity is. And it says in John, chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
You see, so Jesus came down in the midst of all that to bring light. And he hands that responsibility to us. What a privilege. When he says, you are to be the light of the world. If you are a Christian, God is telling you to be the light of the world. My Bible says Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all... To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's kind of fun once you've already read through the Bible and you realize that Jesus is also referred to as the Word of God. And so when you go back and you read the Old Testament, all throughout the prophets, and it says the Word of God came to Isaiah, and the Word of God came to Jeremiah, and the Word of God is a lamp to my feet. Ah, This is one of my favorites right here. Revelation 19. Verse 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. This is Revelation chapter 19, starting with verse 11. Thank you. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He judges and makes war! That's my Jesus. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. That's our Jesus. That's the one we serve. Not this soft guy they paint in these pictures. (laughs) That's not Jesus. And that's why that's a sin. No matter how glorious you can paint, you you can never... Compliment the glory of God with your hands. He's not like you. He's not like me. He's beyond us. He is completely separate. He is holy. The root word of that word, holy, means separate. It means to cut. It means to separate. He's outside of our entire existence. 
Is there hope today? Yeah, there is hope. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Brother, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we all need forgiveness. And not only that, we need to be sure of our forgiveness. And sure of our salvation. It's what Jesus meant when he said, the wise man builds his house on the rock. And when the rains fall and the water rises and beat against the house, it stood strong and did not fall. The wise man believes in God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Don't doubt. Stop doubting. Remember how the enemy works. Has God actually said? Has God actually said? You will not surely die. The devil is the accuser of the brothers. There are so many people who sit in churches who are not sure. If some sin in their past has been forgiven, they're uncertain. And then the devil reminds them 20 years later again. So this is important to remember he's a liar. He's a liar. If we confess with our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where does it say some of your sins or just the really small ones? Where? You won't find it. It's not there. It doesn't say that. It says if we confess our sins. Just say, Lord, I really want to give it up. I don't want to do it again. He's not asking you to promise that you will never do it again. No one can say, I will never trip and fall again. We are all sinners. The question is, do you want to give up sinning? Look at the next part. It says he is faithful and just to forgive. The devil will have you thinking he's not faithful. He will say to you, no, you are faithful because you confessed your sin. But he's not faithful because he hasn't forgiven you. That's why you feel so terrible. That is a lie. He says, he won't forgive that sin. No, not that one. Do you see how unbelief is so insulting to God? To say that you are faithful but he isn't. The audacity to say that we are faithful and God is not. We confess, but he didn't forgive. I did my part, but he didn't do his. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. 
Has God really said that? Are you sure? Say yes. Say yes. He doesn't remember my sins anymore. Past, present, and future. Jesus died for them. That's what my Bible says. You don't have to live in depression. You don't have to hate yourself. It's not a license to sin. Yes, we need to be aware we are fallen. Constantly examine yourselves, brothers and sisters. Constantly. It will creep in. It will creep in. It will never stop until the day we die. That's why I tattooed ready to die on my face. He who has died is free from sin. I don't want to sin anymore. I'm over it. Get me out of here. I don't want to rack up my score. I don't want any more shame. I'm disgusted. Get it out of my face. He remembers my sins no more. You have to remember this. You want to know why? I'll show you why. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. I'll wait for everybody to turn there. This is important. Revelation 12, verse 10. This is in your Bible. Revelation 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Who accuses them day and night before our God? Day and night. Do you see that? All the time. That's why you must believe that you are cleansed. Do not call dirty what the Lord has made clean. You will be attacked. All of you will be attacked. You will be mentally attacked. Being a Christian is not easy. So be ready for that. There is forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. And look at the example he gave us in the Bible. You see, whenever he was confronted by Satan, he didn't fold he start, and started doubting. He just quoted scripture right in his face. Didn't even get into a conversation with him. Every time the devil came to him with, his, with some junk, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And that settles it for me. That's the attitude we need to have. Get behind me, Satan. This is what God's word says. There's no further discussion. God said, I will remember your sins no more. Let God be true. Even if every man is a liar, all nine billion of them. I don't care what they say. I don't care. If God hasn't said it, it's not true. Yes, we live, yes, we have to live a life of repentance, but we rejoice in the Lord. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. That's plenty reason for me to rejoice right there. Romans 6, chapter 14. For sin will have, excuse me, no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but you are under grace. That's a celebration. Sin shall have no dominion over you. Look at Job. Have you considered my servant Job, God said. The first book of the Bible. There was no Bible yet. There was no Bible. But he's written his law in our heart. Job knew there was a God. 
This man didn't have a Bible yet, and it says of him that he was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turns away from evil. That's what God said about him. The honor. Can you imagine? That's what God said about you. He would rise early in the morning to offer sacrifice and prayer to the Lord, not only for himself, but for each of his children, saying perhaps one of them has sinned and cursed God in his heart. And then Satan came to present himself before the Lord. And God asked him, where did you come from? He says, from roaming the earth and walking around on it. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? Signed him up for suffering right there. Not because he didn't like him, because he loved him. Remember that next time you're suffering. We can't see our end. Romans 8.28 says he causes all things to work for the greater good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I can't wait to see what God does with the suffering in my life. It made me the man I am today. That is a testimony. That is the testimony we should have. Such a change in our life and an honor for God that among all the people on earth, he looked down on one man and said, have you seen this one? Have you seen him? Check him out. Look at that boy go. Please go study God's word. Read it over and over. And eventually, you will become that sweet, gentle blessing to the lives of everyone around you. And when you open your mouth, the words of God will come out for building and encouraging and blessing Please join me in prayer. Father, you are true. You are faithful. You set up good works for men to do for you, and then you reward them as if it was they who did it. Forgive me, Lord, for being a legalist. I'm very hard on human beings. Oh, God, I am like the blind man who confused the people with trees, I cannot love people. I see them as trees. I cut them down left and right with no regard. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your holy Bible. The 66 books we hold in our hands in English today. Thank you for brothers like William Tyndale who laid their lives to rest and counted it as nothing in order to be of service to you. Let us, please let us not just read all these magnificent words but give us the grace to eat them, that they will become a part of us. Let us ingest them over and over. Let us hear the gospel and believe that Christ died on the cross according to the Holy Scriptures, that he was raised again victorious three days later, that he appeared first to the 12 and then to 500 brothers at once, that he ascended to heaven and is at the right hand of majesty on high. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. I'd like to close with one more scripture. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Go and be the light of the world, Christians. Go in peace. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.